Hey guys, we are live. I mean, kind of. I mean, we're live, like, you know, electronically. I don't know if we're live, live, like, alive. Hester, are you back? I never went nowhere. <laughs> oh, okay. But then she heard all the stuff that we were talking about her. So, do you want to open it up and do your thing? Yeah, I'm trying to get on the live chat thing real quick okay it helps if i hit the right thing <laughs> obviously for those who are not tuned in yet one you have no idea what i'm saying but two you will hear it later when you play it back so don't worry you won't be missing a thing so before we actually get started i had a couple things i wanted to go over um one is I was not here last week and I'm probably only going to be on a little bit um, for at least the next, probably at least the next couple episodes. Um, I just have some stuff going on with my throat and I'm getting it handled with doctors and stuff, but I can only talk for a brief amount of time before I start getting so raspy and quiet that it's kind of hard to hear me. Um, so... If I'm missing, that's why. It's not a big deal. I'm fine. Um, We're missing her here in our heart. Right yeah, there. Okay. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so that and then today's episode, I'm also going to be kind of MIA from just wanted to come on real quick and let everybody know why I'm not around as much right now. And, um, and also I had a little bit of a rant I wanted to go on before the episode actually started. And this is kind of, um, fuck it. It is what it is. It's, it's me just talking shit about Reddit, witches, <laughs> and we have kind of talked shit about all social media. We have talked shit, especially about TikTok. Um, I haven't had very much interaction with other people who claim to be practitioners on TikTok, but let me say this real quick. If anybody is interested about going on Reddit to join witchcraft communities, my advice is fucking don't, and you would be better <laughs> off setting your phone on fire. Um, because I was there for about a week 
And not going to lie, like the first few days I was like, oh, okay, they handle themselves pretty well. It's not as immature as TikTok. And then it got to the point where people started discussing what valid research was. And according to Reddit, asking strangers on the internet for spells is valid research. (laughs) And and when I was like no it's absolutely not I got attacked by so many fucking people (laughs) um so if you're hearing this because some of them decided to check out the podcast and and decided to say things along the lines of well you're not bringing anything new to the table first of all you didn't listen to anything because we absolutely fucking are secondly you're full of shit (laughs) go fuck yourself um and here and here's my little brief reason why because you can sit there and pull every $20 word your dumbass nose out of your asshole and try to use that as the reason why it is but let me tell you in one fucking sentence why it is not because if boo boo the fool gives you a fake ass spell and you have no way to validate that information by cross-referencing any other written works by books or PDFs, or if there's nobody else that's like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Guess what? You just wasted your fucking time. It's not all about trial and error. It's not about fucking, those aren't the building blocks of building knowledge about any of this. Because if you come to me and you're like, I need a love spell and I give you a recipe for pancake mix, how the fuck is that beneficial to you? Exactly. Even the only thing the only thing you learned is that that's not how you do a spell. So it's a waste of everybody's fucking time. So you can sit there and say that that's valid research because at least now you know what doesn't work. That's stupid. That's like saying, Bella, teach me math. And she's like, green. <laughs> you fucking moron so i could have sat there and acted an ass on reddit but i have a platform and i'm gonna do it on my platform so (laughs) guess what i'm doing before i lose my voice fuck you bitch you hella dumb also to the (laughs) asshole who said that our books are very gardener based I'm going to say fuck yourself. Like, no, they didn't say Gardner. (laughs) They didn't say Gardner based. Somebody said that Brandy's uh, herb references were like based on Cunningham's Wiccan shit. Yes. And I was like, excuse me. I don't think so. (laughs) Well, here's here's the funny thing about our books. And again, you know, sure, there's 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 some Wiccan stuff coming. I have a Cunningham book. But here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing about our books is if you actually go to the very back, we list our bibliography. We don't hide where information comes from, and you will see that I don't think I don't remember uh, Miss Mountain Gypsies off the top of my head, but I don't recall any Wiccan book that was used as a reference. No. Does it does that mean one. that there's not going to be some overlap or some similarities? Duh. I mean, that's the beauty of witchcraft around the world is that we have such differences and yet we recognize some 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 very distinct similarities, which is what binds us together. But thanks for thanks for checking out our books and doing real research, you fucking bitch. 
<laughs> well, kind of. I mean, it doesn't help if you don't read it, you know. Looking at the title <laughs> of the book isn't quite the same as research, but right? I'm they, like they had to have they had to have at least read some of it to come to that. Probably the tale of table of contents. <laughs> Right? Probably. I'm like, wow, you really got that for reading the table of contents and the chapters and stuff? Wow. I I, like- and, and actually, because I happened to be the one that did a lot of the editing and formatting of, of the four books, I had the benefit of reading Miss Mountain Gypsies or a book in depth. And I didn't see any damn thing in there that was the same as um Cunningham's no because a lot of a lot of the things I used were very conjure Appalachian conjuring and all that other kind of stuff there was hardly anything that you would there's like the whole point of the book was shit that you're not gonna find in other books having said that you're gonna take a conjure book you're gonna take it um you know several folk magic practices you're gonna take um a a wiccan herb book you're gonna take you know multiple different herb books put them side by side are you gonna find some similarities again duh of course you are because also um, clyde clyde i see you in the comments and no i don't do that i don't (laughs) chill out i wake up i wake up on a hundred ready to go (laughs) you should know that by now Clyde (laughs) (laughs) okay so do we want to get started or is there so um I don't know if I'm just gonna like fully bounce out of this or if I'm gonna hang around quietly (laughs) but um yeah so that was that was my reddit rant don't go don't go on reddit if you're looking to join and right. uh, this basically this is this is my I guess wrap up I have been on every social media well every major social media outside of Facebook and I've seen the witch communities in all of them and unfortunately out of all of them uh, Instagram is bottom of the bucket but it's okay uh tiktok and reddit can be thrown out with the baby because that bath water is dirty and it has floaters in it um (laughs) um yeah i i've heard that facebook groups are decent some of them um reddit groups are not the best platform that i have found for magic and witchcraft groups as far as social media goes, has unfortunately been Amino. And I think that's because so many of the smaller ones are created by people who do take it serious and they're really, really adamant about keeping it that way. Um, So they're usually somewhat smaller communities. They usually have a lot of fucking rules, but that's your best bet to find people who are talking about some real shit. Yeah, I would have mm-hmm. to say and take um, it serious. The one difference is that um, there are some Facebook groups that I think are way better than Amino. The catch is I've heard. I just don't fuck yeah, with Facebook. Yeah, but the catch is that you literally have to spend hours, sometimes days, 
searching through and looking for that one that one needle in the haystack um mm-hmm. so but but let's be honest here that's really how it is in just about all the social media platforms except for tiktok yeah. <laughs> you can look all except for you can TikTok look all year <laughs> you can look all year i don't think you can find it <laughs> yeah like um like i feel from what I've heard, I can't absolutely verify, but I trust Bella's uh, statement on it. I feel like if you're really looking for some serious shit, I would probably recommend finding a good Facebook group or joining Amino. Um, Instagram is okay. Again, you got to be careful. Uh, some of the other ones are okay, but but Reddit and TikTok, you should just throw those away. Just throw them away completely. Yeah, and I, mean, I will say, I will say this: there is some conjure and root work groups on Reddit that are okay, but just the generically titled witchcraft and occult groups—they're fucking garbage. Like they're garbage. I mean, honestly, just just take it like you do with anything in life. You know, um, you if you want anything of quality, you're going to have to put in the time to do your research and look through and look for something this was, that is this valid. was my research, too, because um, I was really trying to find my whole the reason I joined so many was to see which ones had legitimate groups so yeah. that we could focus our um, marketing and, and promo and stuff in those places but um you know it's kind of like how we were saying months ago when we were talking about tiktok it's it's very hard to market legitimate things to fake ass people because they're not concerned about it being legit um so just wanted to get that out of the way i don't want to beat a dead horse because i made my point my point is you bitches on reddit suck um you lucky you have to take that gracefully and was so politically polite in her words (laughs) another thing too um just to remember for anybody who practices and is on any social medias and you come across people who really like challenge what you know to be true uh one you everybody's going to disagree at some point but Another thing too is, and this is across all the groups I've seen, the biggest threat that those people can pose is to kick you out. And it's social media. So, so the fuck what? Yeah. Like seriously, who cares? Like, oh, you kicked me out of your social media group. Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't change how my bills get paid. That doesn't pay. <laughs> that doesn't change my group of friends in real life. Like it doesn't change anything. So, so what? Let them. Doesn't change them... how you practice. Doesn't change anything. Nope. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. change anything. Hi, Kat. All right. Um, Anyways, so uh, before we actually get started, I wanted to also mention to check out our website, www.bitchywitchies.com. We got some cool stuff there and hopefully some more cool stuff coming soon. We have like a hoodie and a coffee cup that changes colors when you put hot shit in it. It's Um, magic. Yeah, like you can drink out of our faces. <laughs> Don't you want to drink out of the heads of three witches? Um, we need to make one, we need to make one with Jason on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't forget to check out our books. If you would like to support us, you can do that through Patreon, Anchor, buy us a coffee. We have all of those things. We always include all of those links. You can find us on all of our social medias, which is right now we are on all, most, if not all of them. But uh, the only ones that we're really active on right now is Instagram due to that's just where we have the most people right now. Um, 
Did I forget any of them? I don't think so. Just wanted to get the promo stuff out there so it's not at the end. So y'all actually have to hear it. Ha ha, you listened. <laughs> oh, and we've hit 166 subscribers. Excuse me? 100. 100. 666 subscribers. Sorry. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we have to we have to have a little mini celebration for that. We hit 666 subscribers and there are rumors going around that we are Satanists. So yes. that means that we there have you hit go. the biggest milestone we could hit. We hit our holy Lord and Savior's favorite <laughs> fucking number. And it's time to celebrate because we're going to go and make sacrifices to Satan tonight because he got us our 666 subscribers. That's amazing. Yes. All hail Satan. Our work here is done. <laughs> Boom. We did it. Also, I don't believe in Satan. <laughs> right. Oh. Exactly. All right, what are we talking about today? Well, I just said we have 667. Well, shit on our hopes and dreams, huh? Well, that was this morning. We were at 666 this morning, so poo. Well, nobody leave us to bring us back to 666. It's okay. Leave it. Leave. This right? Is, like whoever, whoever made it seven, hi, and thank you. Right? Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> the okay, people guys. who think we're Satanists aren't going to be happy now. But anyways, our topic today is our second installment of famous people in witchcraft history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not just witchcraft, I mean really occult, just a occult in general. Famous people in occult history. There you go. <laughs> wow, we need to where's the where's the like the reverb and everything with that? Okay. Who wants to go first? Jason? Sure. Yes, because he's first. coming from location. Oh, in that's New right. Tell us, tell us yep. all about where you're coming from. So where are you talking from? Live. I am live from my uh, uncle's house in New Orleans. <laughs> that's awesome. Needed vacation. You're and cutting what? out. You're cutting out really bad. I um, I'll, I'll go ahead. I guess I'll go ahead and start then. Okay. So, um. So I have uh, three people I want to talk about, and um, I'll start with the oldest uh, and then move chronologically into the present. So the first person I want to talk about is um, Empress Chen Yao. So this is, of course, a Chinese empress that was back in the Han Dynasty, so roughly around 200 to 300 BCE. So Empress Chen Yao was married to Emperor Wu, but she was not able to bear him any children, which at the time was like a big, oh my goodness. So the consorts ended up getting way more attention than she did, especially this one consort so she got super super jealous especially towards this one consort uh, known, known as consort Wei and so she ended up being really jealous really hateful towards towards her and so she had of course known and heard about witchcraft and had been talking to this one witch who went by the name Chu Fu and so she learned some things and she ended up performing 
she would perform rituals with the with Chu Fu. And um, she would uh, also be known to make effigies of Consort Wei. Now, the problem, like most throughout history, is that witchcraft was considered a capital offense at the time, according to Han laws. So especially if you did witchcraft work against noble families. And so obviously, you know, this was a, a, a huge issue because it was eventually discovered that she was doing this because she was an empress. She herself was punished in a different way, which I get to, I'll get to, but Chu Fu was arrested and she was executed. She was decapitated for her practice of witchcraft. And during that time, um, they also did a sweep and discovered uh, 300 more practicing individuals, accused them of witchcraft and, and they were executed. This is um, one, of the, one of the reasons I like to, to talk about her and bring up her is because this is, these are one of those um, witchcraft trial, witchcraft events that um, most of the time when we talk about them, when you hear about them, it's those people being accused of witchcraft that actually were not practitioners. These, these were actual practitioners that were condemned for truly practicing. Now, Empress, uh, uh, Empress um, Chen, uh, Chen Yao, because she was an empress, Emperor Wu removed her empress status um, around 130 BCE. And because she was empress status, she wasn't executed. She instead was exiled. She was sent out of the capital and she was placed under house arrest for the remainder of her days in, in one of their palaces. So uh, I found that interesting. Um, the, now, the sucky thing is that um, Consort Wei ended up becoming the new empress. So clearly her magic didn't work. So that sucked. But, uh, but, she, but she was a, a strong practitioner as well as, or I mean, she was an avid practitioner as well as, of course, the, the, the woman that she learned from. So that's one person. Oh, and I'm going to try something and see if I can show you guys. Tell me if you guys see this. Um, this is a, obviously, this is not a real life picture of her because this is like a few thousand years ago. But this is a depiction of Empress Chen of Wu. And if you remember our conversations, our previous episodes, um, interestingly enough, Wu is also um, a name of, uh, of a, one of the type of magical practices in China, which is actually still practiced today. So there you That's go. Right. <clears throat> so that is one. Anything you guys want to say about her before I go on? Man, poor her, man. Like, totally. Oh, Everything yeah. totally backfired on her. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But, uh, but she's one of the more well-documented instances of that from, you know, from, from antiquity. So, yeah. for, so to me, that's, that's very important. To me, she's, she's, a, she's, a, she's an example of how, uh, you know, the, these, 
these accusations are not new. This has literally been happening for millennia. Oh, yeah. It just proves that. And especially like in this case, they were actual practitioners. They weren't accused because they were making herbal remedies and stuff. Uh Yeah. I mean, she was making freaking, you know, she was making uh, poppets and shit. <laughs> stabbing him <laughs> walking down the hallway, just stabbing him. Die, in the bitch. Head. Die, bitch. <laughs> oh, for real. Poor thing. And I think the most, like, probably the most ego shot was being stripped of being empress and being all, you have to go stay by yourself. Bye bye. Yeah. And there was no TV. It's not like she could, you know, sit at home and just watch TV. No. She just had to sit there because from what I understand her they put her in a tiny ass place yeah I mean because of her status they you know they still obviously fed her like she wasn't tortured or anything you know she was taken care of but she nonetheless was exiled and house arrest yeah and I think that's the most shot to the ego is like you are no longer an empress and now you have to be exiled no one wants you anymore and you're clearly not great of a witch either because your mortal enemy became the new empress. And probably gave a hundred <laughs> children to, you know, the emperor. Yeah, actually, I think it was a total of two or three children total. Yeah, so see, totally Jason, didn't work. Is your connection better now? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. So take it away, Jason. Okay, so Marie Laveau, uh, she was born... Uh, considered a free woman of color in the city of New Orleans. Uh, but they say that she actually had more Caucasian features than she did African American features. Am I still there? Everybody's, everybody, everybody except for Marie Laveau is on here. Dang it. <laughs> we forgot uh, the Marie Laveau picture. No. But... There, there you go. There. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. right on. So, uh, she uh, is the founder of New Orleans style voodoo, which uh, is derived from uh, Haitian voodoo and also the uh, French occultism and, of course, the Catholic and Christian influences. Um, she has very renowned abilities. Uh, some people say that due to, or uh, some skeptics will say that uh, how she actually had insight about people was because she worked as a hairdresser in New Orleans and uh, she would get all the gossip from from all the wealthy women. And uh, they said that she also would pay off um, servants to to get inside information, but I don't think that's true. I think she had actual abilities. Uh, The way she was portrayed in American Horror Story though was actually kind of disgusting. Like they made her all vindictive and evil and racist. She was not like that at all. She was one of the sweetest people that you would ever meet. She was amazing. And uh, one of the most famous stories about her power is she actually saved uh, two innocent men from being hanged. Uh, they were, a, yeah, and they, um, one of them was the son of a wealthy businessman. He was accused of rape. And uh, there was no way that he could have been there, but the evidence against him was overwhelming. So his father went to Marie Laveau and uh, offered her a hefty sum of money to help. So what she did was uh, she performed a spell. She put three guinea peppers in her mouth because in uh, the uh, voodoo belief that 
say when the Loa's see, see you suffering or willingness to sacrifice comfort, they pay close attention or they take pity on you. So on the day of the hanging, uh, she put the three guinea peppers uh, underneath the judge's seat and they were all gathered outside. It was a nice sunny day and she was standing in the back. And as soon as they put the noose around these two men's necks, she just pops open an umbrella and it starts pouring rain and they have to postpone the execution. And during the postponement, they actually found out who, ac who actually did it and set these two men free. That's awesome. What a great she, story. She, she is awesome. And they, it used to be, uh, she's buried in St. Louis number one, which unfortunately, because people are dumb and they like to ruin it for everybody, um, you can't go in there anymore unless you're with a tour group or you can prove that you have an ancestor buried there. Oh, um, wow. You also, yeah. You also used to be able to uh, write wishes on her tomb with, with the three X's and then knock three times. Mm. Uh, I think the picture. I think the picture showed that. Yeah, but then the bits like broke into St. Louis number one one night and spray painted her tomb hot pink. So after that, the archdiocese said, "Yeah, no more. Like they don't allow tourists to write on her tomb anymore. Nor do they allow to leave offerings at her tomb anymore." So uh, they say that anything that gets left at her grave automatically gets thrown away. So the best way to leave offerings is to actually go to Marie Laveau's voodoo shop on Bourbon Street. They have an altar for her there. You could leave offerings for her there and write wishes. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can see the picture, but uh, yeah, there you can see some X's next to her. Yeah. That's some awesome. People will uh, leave like, uh, like hairpins and stuff up her grave still so, so typically don't get thrown away it's just like I'm kind of an honor just like she, she was a hairdresser nice and, yeah she would uh and people would go to her and like pay hefty, hefty prices someone even bought her a house that just because of her her magic worked mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people a lot of people do think that she was immortal because her daughter looked so much like her that that um and her name was also Marie, was Marie Laveau Jr. And that, that's why like people think that, oh, maybe she, you know, was immortality or like lives to be 200 years old because of, because of that. But it, it was her daughter. Her daughter took up her practice and her daughter is buried in St. Louis number two. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love her. She's, she's one of my favorites. Although it's like, like I tell people about Marie Laveau and saying, did you see American Horror Story? It's like, yes, I knew about her way before that freaking show even aired. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, all Hollywood uh, depictions, you know, are going to put a little twist on it because, you know, they got to sell. But right. um, yeah. yeah, I think they did enough to, you know, touch on aspects of her to, to portray her and then and then completely embellished. Yeah. See, usual, here's so. here's my here's my thing on that because this is a conversation me and my husband have for different aspects of movies made by Hollywood. Uh, they're Hollywood movies, and if you're in, uh, not to say that Bella or anybody here is, but a lot of people uh, really criticize uh, movies that are made as feature films for accuracy or inaccuracy, but they're not biographies. 
they're they're movies and they're made to be dramatic so they're gonna put extra on it they're gonna leave out some of the nice stuff if they're trying to make it scary they're gonna leave out some of the scary stuff if they're trying to make it nice um so on and so forth um it's storytelling so just keep that in mind there's a difference between telling a story for entertainment purposes and telling a story for educational purposes so yeah 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 that's that's true and I I totally agree because I actually love American Horror Story and I think like like Coven was an awesome season and and even the character Marie Laveau was like was was a pretty cool character uh the the actress differ like did a great job playing the character but I just don't like how there are people who who think that that's how Marie Laveau actually was and it well, that's the problem. And going back to what Hestia said is like, you know, um, you know, Hollywood depiction and portrayal is, is one thing, you know, again, for entertainment versus just because you saw it in a movie doesn't mean that was it. You know, if, if, if that really fascinates you, use that as a jumping point then to actually look into that person. And this yeah. is another reason why how and where you do research does matter. <laughs> But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Who next, Jason? Uh, the next one is Mary Onita Toots. Uh, not a whole lot of information is, is can be found about her. Um, she was considered the witch queen of New Orleans in the 1970s. Uh, she actually married a high-ranking Freemason. And what she is known for is... Um, establishing uh, witchcraft as an action as a religion I mean we know that witchcraft is not a religion I think she she was like a Wiccan and also a witch just because of her abilities can can be profound and she still talked about a lot in the French Quarter but um she she uh helped establish like the the wick of religion as as a recognized spirituality within the state of New Orleans in the 1970s. And she was able to defend uh, witchcraft as a whole, not not Wicca, but witchcraft, uh, when it was the blame for a murder that, that happened back in the 70s. That's and awesome. She, yeah. yeah she, she did write one book, um, Magic High and Low. I, I personally haven't read it, but I really want to. Because uh, I think that she gives really, really good depictions on what high magic and low magic really is, and uh, she she uh, ran a couple of uh, shops in the French Quarter, which they say that they weren't necessarily Wicca based; they were actually more based around uh, New Orleans voodoo, ceremonial magic, and just the occult in general. So I think that's really cool. Nice. I could not find a um, a picture of her that was public domain. So sorry, guys, but. You Google um, her. Yet. There's pl- there's plenty of pictures of her. Just nothing that we could show without you know getting sued. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She she was a cool person, and I I actually want to want to read her book, Magic High and Low. Yeah. But unfortunately, fortunately, she died of stomach cancer in 1986. Um, so, and, and is her book still in print? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. Still in print. Nice. There you go, some book to check out for you guys. Oh yeah. Her shop unfortunately isn't open anymore, but they kind of seem to come and go, I've noticed. 
And who's next? <clears throat> you got room well, for one more, honey. <laughs> and for those who are cool peeps, you know that comes from Twilight Zone. <laughs> oh, not me. <laughs> what? We, we knew this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. One more. Uh, I'll talk about Lavoisin. She was a French witch back in the 1600s, known more, uh, more so for her uh, beneficium, her poison plants. Nice. That's her. <laughs> oh, I love that. I know. This is a great, it's a great picture. Okay. I love it. <laughs> So uh, people would go to her for um, usually the more illegal things, um, such as abortions, which back back then in France were illegal, um, and also uh, that was also a good way to murder someone back in the day without actually being caught is to use different poisons. Uh, so so she would give them things like hemlock, hembane, um, oleander. Oleander, especially because Oleander actually has arsenic in it. It's very untraceable. I will tell you that because I used it in a science project in high school. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because poison, even today, you know, with all of our technology, it's definitely easier than it was in the past to detect, but it's still harder than, say, you got stabbed by a knife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially because some of it, arsenic, even today, I think, you know, because because that will, um, I think sometimes that's hard to detect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that they, that even if they do an autopsy, they, they won't find it unless they're specifically looking for it. Yeah, yeah. I think you can um, find it in hair follicles. Yeah, yeah. because I mean... It, it's, it, I mean, for those of us who smoke cigarettes, it's in our cigarettes, it's in alcohol, it's in food. And yeah. it's still, it's still not going to be, they're going to just chalk it up to, oh, they were a smoker. Oh, they were an alcoholic. Isn't it yeah. in cherry pits or is that something else? No, it is cherry pits, um, peach pits. That's why they tell you not to chew on the cherry pits or the peach pits and stuff like that, because it has small amounts of arsenic in it and it goes to back to what we were talking about uh in one of our episodes or one of our conversations about you know it really is all about the 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 quantity mm-hmm. so yeah, i'm glad you said that because i was over here freaking out a little side story when i was a kid we were probably like early double digits like 11 12 years old there was this little annoying boy that lived across the street from us and I dared him to eat the pits of the cherries that we were eating at the time. I'm glad he didn't die. Jesus. <laughs> he ate derelict. like five of them shits. So. <laughs> derelict child. Oh my God. Still alive and well. <laughs> He's still alive and well. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's something yeah. I learned yesterday at the Myrtle Plantation too was um when uh, the the house slave Chloe, um, she she was caught eavesdropping on a conversation, so she was demoted from the children's nanny to to the kitchen, which uh, the kitchen was like one of the most dangerous jobs because like everything was like made of cypress and things would catch on fire easy. Um, 
So she had this this plan. She went and picked some oleander because it grows wild in Louisiana. And her she just wanted to make the children sick because she was like, okay, I can make them sick. They'll come crying for, for me as their nanny. I'll uh, nurse them back to health and they'll and I'll be able to work back in the house. But she put in way too much oleander into, into the cake. Like she put in like like a handful of like 18 leaves and it ended up killing the children as well as um, the, the lady of the house. I, 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 heard, I remember that, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't there. I mean, I remember the story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I felt like I... <laughs> <laughs> I love that she felt the need to fucking clarify that she wasn't there. Was she was there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever, people. She's like, for all you whippersnappers who think I was there, I wasn't. <laughs> Not that old. Okay. Sorry, it's keep going. Kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, so um, but back to Lavoisin. Um, they, they say they have all these like fantastical stories about her, but that like uh, she was a Satanist and she would uh, get people to join her coven or women to, to join her that coven. That really is women. just the go-to, ain't it? Mm-hmm. You'll be, yeah. you'll be hearing that a lot. This Everybody's yep. a Satanist. Everybody. Yep. All of them. <laughs> I know. We're all Satanists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they, they say that like babies that, that she would help abort were uh then sacrificed to to the devil and all this crap um but her ultimately like she was arrested for uh being accused of uh, scheming against the royal court they they thought that she was in cahoots with other witches to try to to, uh, poison the royal courts and that's ultimately like like what led to her execution wow yeah Oh, uh, he's got a doggy too. Yeah. <laughs> Did Yoshi come along? Yeah, yeah. I brought him along. There's like five dogs here now. But my Aww. yeah, my aunt and uncle like they they have four, and then with Yoshi it makes five. <laughs> <laughs> Love the dogs. <laughs> Is that it about her? Oh, um, it kind of goes back. So like the previous episodes where a lot of people were saying that like she, she wasn't a witch, she was just an herbalist, but she was an, an actual witch. Like she would make the poppets and uh, the, the mojo bags for people as well. And uh, a lot of people would come to her for uh, also fortune telling uh, divinations. Nice. And uh, yeah, yeah, fortune telling and divinations and they would pay for large sums of money. Um, she she was famous for wearing this red velvet dress, which back then, like only royalty could afford velvet, and that was, I think, another thing that kind of led to her like being accused of of Satanism because she was like wearing a fabric that was only meant for royalty, and she was considered right. a commoner. But but also like, the association was, of that color as well. Yeah, yeah. red, mm-hmm. red. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I think she was a cool figure. Like, especially like I would love to like. I love her herb garden, <laughs> right? And like, even though I, I don't, don't I don't know if this, I don't know if this would be the same time frame, but I know at some point it was actually illegal 
against the law. I don't, I don't know what the punishment was, but I recently read that it was illegal to dress as if you were royalty if you were not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think, that was, I, think that was, I think that was more tied to the color purple, though. Oh. oh. I vaguely recall something like that. I don't know what part of the world or what time frame, but yeah, I do recall that there have been laws about something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in different parts of the world too. Like, yeah. But like uh, in China, only the emperor can wear yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, yeah. Miss Miss Mount, is that it? Is that it? Shall yeah. Shall we go yeah, on to Miss Mount and Gypsy? <laughs> So my first person actually ties into Jason's second person, Miss Mary, and it is Miss Lori Cabot. And if none of you know who Lori Cabot is, you've been under a rock. So everybody knows her. Yeah, everybody knows her as the famous witch of Salem. And um, she is a very old school Wiccan. Um, but she also has her own church and established um, the first church of hermetic magic in Salem. But I'm talking about her because she was a big pivotal person along with Miss Mary in the civil rights movements for people who do practice witchcraft and stated status for religion protection. She went to the courts for it. She made sure that people were not mistreated at work, um, you know, in public and stuff for their beliefs, you know, no matter what kind of witchcraft or tradition that they practiced, she fought very hard for these laws for us to be able to freely practice. And, you know, she got these taken care of in the 70s and 80s for us. Um, so she's she's a really big figure for us here in the United States because she fought real hard and she does have a shop, but her daughter takes has it now. Um, I mean, she's still around. She's still kicking because you can get readings and stuff from her for God awful price. But still, <laughs> I mean, I order. I've been buying her oils for like years now. So like she's in a she's a great person because she's one of those old school Wiccans that's not like you know this is it this is how you practice love and light is all right exactly yeah. she's not that way like if if <laughs> I think the thing I can point out is yes I'm gonna go to my favorite band if you've ever seen the voodoo video from Godsmack she yeah. is She's the high priestess in that video. And I forgot about that. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we won't go there because, you know, that's that's my band. But like, you know, her and the singer, Sully Erna, which I'll talk about him in another episode, are very close and stuff and everything. But the reason I did want to bring her up was because she fought so hard for us to have these laws to protect us for work purposes, for public purposes, everything, because without her fight, a lot of us would get fired just for being witches or even being suspected of a 
witches or paganism of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't need a teacher. Did the same thing down here. Yeah, because they they work together actually making those laws, especially after the stuff that happened in New Orleans, that murder and stuff. And I guess up in Salem and in Massachusetts, they were having the same issue, like a whole satanic panic thing. And they couldn't, they were proving that it wasn't people of that path or that faith or whatever you want to call it. So Mary and Lori got, they fought real hard to take on the Supreme Court to get these laws on, in place for us. Yeah, oh, I think... Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, because uh, uh, Lori's shop, Hex, Old World Witchery, is also down here in New Orleans. Yeah, she, she recently opened it not too long ago in New Orleans, but she has, oh. she has the enchantment in, in Salem. That's not the original name, but when her daughter took over, she, they renamed it. So, but her and Mary fought really hard for our protection. Like everybody else's religion and beliefs, she fought to put us on the books too. I think that's, I I think that's what makes, you know, the satanic panic so potent and confusing because when you like, like most of um, what has happened throughout history, when you look at the people that um that either one contributed to the panic or were accused the the vast majority if not all of the accused weren't actually practitioners but the vast majority of the people who contributed were also not practitioners they're people that were wackos they were crazy they took hollywoodized versions of what they thought satanism was and tried to recreate it and uh and was out there i mean look at son of sam oh yeah the everything that happened with the son of sam i mean that they were touting satanism they actually were touting satanism but that wasn't actual satanic practice that, no, was, that was no. not reflective of of Satanism. And so, you know, I think that that only helps to muddy the waters and and make it even more confusing and more dangerous, you know, for, for things like that. I, I know I'll go on a tangent. I just wanted to throw that in there really quick. Exactly. But yeah, like, because <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I know Lori has a few books and stuff, but she's she's infamous as the famous witch of Salem. Because she, you know, she built the first temple for witches, which is, you know, and she she fought so hard for our equal rights as religious people, you know, even though like, you know, witchcraft, witchcraft isn't religion, but she's made it to where we can safely practice and be open. So, you know, like she actually is one of the famous witches that I got into early on because she she didn't really write a lot of books actually I think she only has like a couple and that's it and they were from like the 60s and 70s and let's 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 be clear when we say free to practice you know we're obviously not talking about in the world because as you know as we've discussed before there's still many 
countries where that is an issue that is Ill- illegal, but there are also, the a, but there's also a number of countries, not just the states, but there's a number of countries where people like her, Doreen Valiente, a number of people, you know, that did pave the way for, uh, for, you know, people like us to be able to be more open with our practices. Um, so obviously yeah. still a ways to go in the world in general, but Right. It is thanks to them. There are, you know, countries out there that um, will not burn you from mm-hmm. head to toe, or put you in gasoline. prison, yeah, or right. fire you from your job or whatnot, yeah. or shun your yeah. children from their school. Yeah. You know, right? And like I said, she's she's old school, old school Wiccan, so she ain't all peace, love, and happiness there. Hmm. Right, exactly. And like, I love her. She's just a sassy old woman. Like, she will tell it how it is. And I just, like, she's just amazing. Her big glasses and all, you know, (laughs) she's just, she's just awesome. And like, the first time, like, I saw her in the Godsmack video, I like, my mom was like, how do you know who that is? How do you, who is that? And I was like, that's Lori Cabot. She's like, who the hell is Lori Cabot? I was like, Oh my God, mother, she's older than you are. You should know this. So, yeah. I've been saying her name wrong this whole time. I've been pronouncing it Lori Calvert. Yeah, it's Lori Cabot. Lori Cabot. I have to remember that. But yeah, Um, so I have to give her praise because she's paved the way for us to be, you know, equal people. (laughs) Who else she got? At Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. And also, if you, none of you know who Jimmy Page is either, go you slap young whippers. Yeah, you young whippersnappers. Go slap yourselves. He is the guitarist to Led Zeppelin. Yes. Excellent, excellent guitarist. But he is also what I don't know if he still is, but he's also very into occultism. He got into Aleister Crowley at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's said that he used all his knowledge of Aleister Crowley practice to uh, get Led Zeppelin where they are. And I could see that, especially if you are a person like me who pays attention to lyrics. Yes. <laughs> you can definitely see a lot of references to Crowley in their music exactly exactly in their music they reference a lot of Crowley and fun fact when he became famous and they made enough money he bought Aleister Crowley's childhood house so jealous swear right but he sold it back I think in the mid mid 90s because he actually never really stayed there because I was watching the interview for He just it. bought it because he could. Because he exactly. was like, look what I got. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, he said he'd only stayed there a few times, a handful of times since he had bought it because things would happen there. I was like, I'm fucking sure they would. For those of you who are a bit younger and don't know too much about Led Zeppelin, the the stuff that they went through, the stuff that they were accused of. Mm. Led Zeppelin was the poster child 
for the satanic panic that occurred in the 70s. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, you know, again, it's one of those muddy waters because they weren't entirely wrong, you know, like, like she, like my just was just saying, you know, they, um, they, they did have some involvement in the occult. Uh, but again, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's not, you don't automatically go to Satanism unless you're crazy evangelical. Exactly. I mean, but uh, Robert Plant, <laughs> Robert Plant won't actually say himself either that he was into it. But Jimmy Page is like always been very open, yeah, very mm-hmm. open about it. Yeah. But but they were they were the um, album that or especially the Stairway to Heaven album. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever heard people talking about how they used to say, if you play the, the record backwards, you can hear satanic chants and stuff. You know, that was They them. said that they about were... so many people. No, no, I, I know, I know. That's the but original I mean, one. But, but Led Zeppelin was the, not only the original one, they were implicated in, uh, in, in a, a murder um, hearing. I don't remember which one. Yes, but, they had to uh, go to court for it themselves. Yes. The band themselves were called to yes. court for this case. And yeah. see, I am I am part of the group that Bella addressed. I am the whippersnapper who is not <laughs> familiar with Led Zeppelin. Um, but I will say that when I was a kid, which was a couple decades later, by then, uh, it was pretty much being said that anybody who had any kind of darker rock music that was the that was the you know the saying going around um Ozzy Osbourne if you play his records backwards yep. it's Satan worship you know if you play <laughs> yeah. it backwards it's gonna make you go kill people um, right? yeah I, and, and that was still going on when I was a kid so we're talking the 90s yeah I was a kid in the 90s because basically I was born, as long as as long as you know records 80s. as long as records were around as long as rock and roll was around <laughs> I mean, I don't know oh, what, yeah. what they say now, now that there's no records to play. But I mean, I guess you can, you know, buy some vintage records. Now, but... now they just no. Now they just say that it's subliminal messaging. In oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That's yeah. Because right. yeah. you mean, can't can't spin CDs backwards. I mean, Led Zeppelin's not unless looking... you really want to fuck them up. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you breathe on a CD wrong, it's fucked up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is the most fragile system of listening to music ever made. It really is. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, you didn't even have to play Led Zeppelin's records backwards. You just listened to the lyrics and they were talking about any like (laughs) Aleister Crowley shit. But that's the that's the funny part is that because unless you were really versed in that or understood or even knew a little bit, all that stuff went over everybody's head. Yeah, they had they had to play it backwards for bullshit. that's something that happens in other kinds of music too. Like yeah. the music I listen to most of the time is rap. And now, now that I know more shit, I'm like, oh, okay. And, yeah. and so now there's certain rappers that stick out in my head. Like, oh, okay, I know what kind of groups you ran with. See um, you, I see you. And see, <laughs> and see, it's not. But here's the thing too, and, and this is something that causes a lot of panic for no reason. Is some people, uh, I'm a, I'm gonna use a, an example because this one really cracks me up um and he's a piece of shit by the way i don't like him but little boosie oh uh, yeah i know he's he's a horrible person he's a trash human being he's a anyway, douche canoe 
<laughs> one of his biggest songs back in the day, uh, he said he was talking about women and he was like, all of them try to steal my underwear. And see, if you listen to the whole verse and you know where he's from, because he's from Louisiana. So it's like, so there's little things that he would drop hints about, like the, the people around me fuck with this. The people that I know and see fuck with this. And, you know, if you only know a little bit, you might think that he dabbles in it when he don't. Um, so that's another thing too. Not everybody who drops occult knowledge dabbles themselves. Sometimes they're just right. aware of it. Yeah. Mm. But that but that was really the ultimate irony uh, going back to Led Zeppelin, you know, when, when they had to go to court because that's what the focus was on was pay, playing that album backwards i'm like no bitch just actually play it there's actually shit there that you're not paying attention to but yeah we'll play it backwards and listen to nothing and say that that's satanic right yeah right. by the time i was by the time i was a kid it was all of them it was ozzy osbourne it was uh they even took it into the newer stuff that we were listening to like corn and yeah and Marilyn Manson and and I was like dude <laughs> all right if you say so we right? don't even listen to records anymore it's the 90s what are you talking about and, and here's the thing that always confused me the most as a child dealing with the ass end of them claiming this about records because one my generation wasn't listening to records anymore so only the old people had the records of it <laughs> So I'm like, only y'all hear this. Cause we can't play CDs backwards. So I'm like, we we got we got walkmans and discmans and shit like that. So we're not playing anything backwards. You're the one with the record player and the record version of the CD that we have. So who's hearing this message besides you? Cause we're out playing in the streets like kids. <laughs> Whatever. Horrible. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird time. If you play records back backwards, what's a fucking record? <laughs> I was born in '88. Okay, like, come on, like, I don't All right. have a fucking record. Okay, and I don't now. have a record, Grandma. <laughs> She's like, we're done with this topic. We Who's, stop next? <laughs> Who's next? Who's the next? Who's the next person we're talking about? <laughs> Are you done, Miss Mountain Gypsy? Or is there anybody, anything else, or anybody else? I'm done. Okay. Well, the next person I would like to talk about is Rosaline Norton. I don't know how many of you have heard of her. You either have super heard of her or you have no idea who she is. She's one of those. I love people. her first name. It's okay. Pretty. So um, she was actually, uh, she, she was in, uh, in the early part of the 1900s. She was the, in the full-on bohemian crowd, right? So in the 20s, uh, 20s and 30s and such. Um, she actually, she was, she was born in New Zealand, but at a fairly early age, moved to Australia. Um, actually, in the 20s, she moved to Australia, and, and that's where she basically lived the majority of her life. Um, she was both an artist and an occultist. Um, she lived in, in King's Cross in Australia. And because of her reputation, she actually became known as the Witch of King's Cross. I um, saw a documentary on her recently. 
<laughs> I, I, I was gonna I was gonna say I, I believe that there is a documentary on um on Amazon Prime, I think, right now on her, which is so awesome because she really deserves a lot of recognition. So um so her art itself oft was often depicting um the 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 pagan deities that she worshipped or that she was really connected to entities humans vampires werewolves um and actually even when she was a child she was drawing these things she got expelled from school as a child because she was drawing these things um but even at, at an early age you know she had always felt the calling if you will you know she felt that she saw visions as a child she considered herself a practicing witch um from a very very early age um her art as you can imagine especially in that time frame and and again i don't know if you are familiar with the whole bohemian era you know this was this was a counterculture um, totally before their time. You know, this is, this is where German Expressionism, um, uh, Cubism, um, Dadaism, this is where like all the crazy art and stuff came about. Uh, you know, people were um, hanging out in opium dens, dens and, you know, like it was a really crazy time. And, um, and a lot of the stuff wasn't illegal at the time. So people were just like, they were, they were wild, I think wilder in some ways than they are than people are today. I'm sorry. But, uh, but it was a really, really crazy time. And, um, and so, but, but, but they still were a small portion, obviously, of society. So the average people, our average person society was still very conservative. And so, Obviously, her work was quite a shock to the majority of the general community. In fact, she had her very first exhibition at the University of Melbourne in 1949. And, and one of her pieces there was actually called Black Magic. And it depicted a woman who happened to look like her. And she was wrapped around a panther. And um, the painting ended up being confiscated and she was charged with obscenity. So um, the media then, um, after that occurred, because that was all over the news and everything, the media became like obsessed with her. And, uh, and so anytime she did anything, it was like totally sensationalized. Like, oh my God, what is the Witch of King's Cross doing now? Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really kind of interesting, but um, it, her, her ties to the occult, um, her fascination and her study of the works of Carl Jung, Carl Jung, um, Aleister Crowley, as well as she had a very, very strong devotion to Pan. That was all really reflected in her artwork to the point where, surprise, surprise, many considered her to be a Satanist. And she, throughout her life, kept saying, I'm not a Satanist, I'm a witch, I'm not a Satanist, but we know how, how that goes. So um, she, again, she did not really hide um, her practice. She was a, a self-proclaimed witch. Uh, her her go-to was, was predominantly trans magic and sex magic. Um, she also equally hated living by society's rules. And so she was openly bisexual. She didn't care who knew, which of course at the time that was like, oh my God. Um, she, she did end up dying in the late 70s. 
but uh, she she left behind her mark, obviously, uh, in, in in really two main areas. I mean, she, both as a trailblazer in the art world, but also she's seen uh, by some as an icon in the occult world, but also in LGBTQ plus communities because because of of her openness of her bisexuality at such an early time i found the documentary on amazon prime it's called the witch of king's cross and we have the link for it so nice yeah but she's 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 definitely somebody that you know she's she is famous in her own right but nonetheless i think um there are such a number of people, especially, you know, people like Aleister Crowley, um, Anton LaVey, that I, I think have overshadowed her, that I think a lot of people don't, don't realize, you know, the impact that she's had on our culture. So she's definitely somebody that I would recommend to check out. Um, she was uh, quite, uh, quite amazing, quite, quite brilliant and very inspiring, honestly. Her artwork is gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. I love her artwork. Absolutely. I think the documentary is really awesome too. I love it. I might have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, her artwork was was pretty incredible. And um, although I just you know I just laugh whenever I think of like even as a child like she was you know kicked out of school because you've got like this little like eight year old drawing pictures of vampires and they're like this child is possessed. Get out. Right. <laughs> So um, I actually, uh, I think, um, I don't think I, I showed yet. I have a, I have a picture that I wanted to share she, next to one of her artwork. Um, I love that. Yeah. So she was, she was, a, she was cute. Um, she, I, this is actually one of her more conservative pictures. You know, there's images of her with um, her, her eyebrows were always kind of like, pointed upwards and <laughs> she was just kind of naturally you know trippy looking it's just her but and the hoots that I would was... love to have a piece of her artwork no kidding can you imagine how much that would be though <laughs> <laughs> right but but perhaps I wonder if maybe there's some lithographs or something that oh right if any of you guys actually have a piece of Rosalind Norton's artwork, let us know so we can be jealous of you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, oh dude, I would love to have, especially the one you were talking about with her wrapped around the Panther. Yeah. That one is beautiful. <laughs> well, it, it, it didn't help too that her main dude was Pan, right? Because you know, to to the average, especially Christian, Pan is like a, um, a the epitome of that's what Satan looks like. Yeah. So you know that definitely also contributed to everybody calling her a, um, a Satanist. And she's like, Pan is not Satan. Pan is a Greek deity. But nobody nobody's going to listen to that. No, do they ever? Of they just not. see horns and hoofs. Mm hmm. That's all they see. Horns and hoofs. You're Satan. Right? It's crazy. So the next person I want to talk about. That was a dramatic pause, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This one is very today. And this is a person 
and yes, I am doing an intro and, and setting up anticipation because this is a person I have so much admiration for. And um, I just think is an amazing, amazing, uh, also a type of artist, um, but also amazing uh, occultist. And that is Grant Morrison. Do you guys all know who Grant Morrison is? I know you do, Miss Mountain Gypsy, but do, do you, do. Jason, do, do you, mm -hmm. Hesia? Like, I think Hesia's in the bathroom again or something. Huh? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> do, do, you I know know who, do I know who, what is? Grant Morrison? Have you heard of him? Um, no. So you may not know his name, but you probably know his works. Grant Morrison is actually kind of like a Jack Parsons deal where most people know him for his work in the comic book industry. So he was involved with All-Star Superman, The Invincibles, uh, Batman, Ar Arkham Asylum. So in the comics, that's probably why. He does yeah. Doom Patrol. Yeah. So, so he's, he's very, very, very well known. In fact, the image that I happen to have of him is, I think it's at Comic-Con. It's, it's a Comic-Con image. So if you don't um, know the name, you might know the face. This is him, Grant Morrison. So let me stop sharing here for a second. So Grant Morrison, um, is equally though he is a very accomplished occultist and more specifically a chaos magician so he is a huge absolutely huge proponent of sigil sigil use sigil work obviously should sigil use in the chaos magic sense and when he will talk about, he's very open about this. He will talk about his use of what's known as hyper sigils in, in his work. And he intertwines the use of hyper sigils with his professional work in, in the comic book industry. Now, hyper sigils is, is a term that's used to describe basically the link or the loop between um, the your external or your extended persona. Think back of Carl, Carl Jung and the, uh, what persona is um, and your primary self. So it basically takes the basic concept of, you know, sigils are usually image-based. There are other types of sigils, but you know, a sigil is usually an image, but it's, it's almost like in some ways you can think of it as like a 3D version of it because it incorporates elements of characterization, drama, plot, story point, and so it, it's believed by doing that and, and creating more of a hyper sigil, giving it dimension and, and character that you're extending into other dimensions. Um, and it's supposed to be considered a, a powerful method of altering one's reality. So basically what he does or what, what he considers is he takes his online persona or his so-called fictional self, your avatar, um, creates these hyper sigils so that there's that feedback loop to um, that is supposed to reinforce behaviors and, per and perceptions that will help to change him and change his life and change himself over a period of time. 
So it's a really interesting concept for those of do you. you have, do you have a book recommend, recommendation on that? Because like I instantly honed in on that. I, I need to read more about it and I uh, need some spe- Specifically, no, specifically not one off the top of my head. I will tell you though, that um, he does actually publish a number of books on chaos magic. He will publish books. He's, he's written articles. Um, he does a lot of talks. Um, and, uh, and he does a lot of contributions uh, to, uh, to current books out there. Um, so there's definitely places, I'll, I'll try to find some for you afterwards um, because he is, and again, his, uh, it's magic, yes, he's a proponent of magic, but really chaos magic. He is, he is definitely, he's definitely one of the 21st century, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I wanna say proponent, but I've already used that word, but you know, he, um, just like Peter Carroll, you know, introduced chaos magic in the seventies. He's like, he's to me, he's like the 21st century Peter Carroll of chaos yeah. magic. Um, but, uh, but he is definitely, if you're, if you're not, if you are interested in chaos magic, I, I highly recommend that you look to him and look at some of his sources, read up on it. Um, chaos magic, I think is, is, very uh, well known at this point, especially for even, you know, minor dabblers of the occult world. But there's so much more dimension and so much more substance to chaos magic than what most people know of. And, and Grant Morrison is definitely one of those people that I think can help to give um, that outlook. And so that's the guy that I wanted to talk about. You can see it in a lot of his comic books. Especially uh-huh. the when he started the Arkham Asylum series way back uh-huh. when, it's prevalent in there and in Doom Patrol. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I think um, he may have also created the character Clary on the Witch Boy. I think so. I think he did. I'm not sure, but if I remember right, I think he he was one of the artists on that. So. Yeah. Like Clary on the Witch Boy, you're supposed to be like the personification of chaos magic. Yeah, so like he does, like he's an amazing, you know, chaos magician, but he also, like Bella said, he puts it out in his mm-hmm. artwork very much. Like Absolutely. I actually have I actually have Death of Batman uh up there that he wrote. And now <clears throat> the more that I learned about him and the more I go through it you can see the different things of chaos magic and symbols oh, yeah. in it. And like, and, and because he is recent in 21st century, you can go on YouTube and actually find talks that he gives. Um, yeah. And he's, he's really inspiring too, you know, because he's like very, very passionate and he, he's all about, dude, just, you know, just if you're thinking about trying it, you know, stop thinking, do it. Yeah. And he's an Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, and he, like, even at Comic-Cons, because he was at one of the Comic-Cons I've been to, he, first of all, he's a really down-to-earth, really good guy. And he he's not just there to talk about the comic book conversation. Like, if you want to talk to him about the magic aspect, and you know that he's part of that, he'll talk to you all day about it. <gasps> all day. What? I'm having what? a moment. <laughs> She's having a moment. Sure. <laughs> Share your moment with us. No, okay, because you know how I've been complaining. Never mind. I'll tell you guys after we're done. Okay. No, 
okay. <laughs> sorry, audience. You don't get to partake. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Personal stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. that's all I got. Do we have any other people we want to talk about? She's like, on that note, bye. <laughs> <laughs> any questions? Any questions from from uh, from anybody watching that wants to? There you are, oh, Jason. Hold up. Okay, let's see. Um, have we Kat, been ignoring? Kat, <laughs> no, not really. Uh, let's see. So, Cat would like to hear about um, Gerald Gardner. Okay. Yeah. So, Gerald, um, he is on. <coughs> he's on our list. Um, Gerald Gardner, because of his um, obviously association as the, the grandfather of Wicca or the father of Wicca, however you want to say it, um, you know, the, none of us are Wiccan practitioners, so we'll have to do some research. But off the cuff, um, he was, I think he was uh, also in the time of like the 30s, 20s, 30s, he uh, was a, a follower or an, an associ associate of Aleister Crowley's um, works. He was, I believe, a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He was also a Rosicrucian. He was also, I believe, a Freemason. And in yes. fact, it was because of all of his involvement in ceremonial magic, he took those ceremonial magic concepts and applied a lot of that into Wicca. And so that's why when you look at Wicca, um, you'll, it does have a feel, there's a lot of ceremonial magic aspects to it. And they don't, I think a lot of people don't realize that, but all, all of the ritual and the this must go there and do this first and do this next, you know, that's all from, from Gerald Gardner's original influence from his ceremonial magic. Um, and his, 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 um, you know, the, the whole concept of, and at harm and undo with thou wilt, you know, that was straight out of Aleister Crowley's Book of the Law, and at harm and, uh, you know, uh, not and at harm, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, love, love is the law, love under will. That was the original statement of the the book from the book of the law of Aleister Crowley. He took that statement and he tweaked it to and at harm and do what thou wilt. Um, so, you know, some people find that offensive <laughs> because he took basically um, the same rhetoric of uh, Aleister Crowley's verbiage and, uh, and twisted it because obviously Aleister Crowley was all about do what thou wilt. Thou, that's the whole of it. That's it. Just do what you want. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's all about love. Um, whereas, you know, he put some kind of moralistic twists to it. Um, there's some controversy about Gerald Gardner. Gerald Gardner, um, he, there was, when you, when you read uh, books on him, you know, he originally claimed that uh, Wicca came from very ancient practices and that he had observed some of these uh, practices from Kevin's that had been practicing this for centuries. And, um, and when he became associated with D Doreen Valiente, um, Dor Doreen Valiente, who, you know, herself, obviously a proponent of Wicca, still called him on his bullshit and said, uh, yeah, I don't think so, dude. Was he homies but with Al Ron Hubbard, too? 
Uh-huh. L. Ron yeah. Hubbard. See? Yep. Yep. Uh, like I said, that whole time, that whole time frame, ma'am, that <laughs> whole <homies>. time frame <laughs> was, um, I'm telling you, if I had, if I had the ability to go back and live through a time, it would be in the twenties because they were, they were fun. They were fun peeps back then. Yeah, just walk into absent places, bars, going to opium yeah. dens, just hanging out with the sophisticated peoples. But but the, <laughs> the, the gist of it is that he was known to um, to really uh, kind of um, elab- um What's the word? I can't think of the word, but um, kind of stretch the truth, you know, on a lot of stuff, you know, so um and, and that's why Doreen Valiente kind of tried to step in in the 60s and the 70s to more legitimate, legitimize some of his stuff because people were starting to be like, okay, you're a little bit of a kind of a chronic liar, aren't you? Because um, he hung out with Hubbard. <laughs> Come on, right? look at Hubbard's religion. Well, I mean, and then you look at the... Uh, the threefold law, you know, that uh, that was really more of a, a, a Doreen Valiente thing who who really kind of pushed that. But she based it on one of his uh, on a phrase that he used in one of his books, Gerald Gardner's books. But the problem is that phrase that he took, he actually took a phrase from an erotic work of fiction. And it was a, a French author who stated that um, his main character, the good King Pasol, um, made the statement about like, um, as long as it doesn't hurt your neighbor, you know, then do it. And so, you know, he said in his book that witches are, um, are inclined to act just like King Pasol. And so, and then Dor- Dorian Valiente, you know, again, took that, ran with it and turned it into, you know, what's known as the Wiccan Read today. So I don't know if people, you know, a lot of people who, who claim to follow the Wiccan Read, you know, again, not, not knocking it, you know, that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do, but realize that, you know, that's based on a work of erotic French fiction. So, okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's all I know about Gerald Gardner at this point. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You go on with your erotic self. <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, since that was kind of uh, off the cuff, you know, when we do talk about him more in depth in a, on, a diff- on a later episode, then we'll, we'll try to get more um, information about him. But All that be right. him. Also, 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 just FYI, um, for those of you who spell alter wrong, you know, you're not alone. He did the same thing. He spelled it A-L-T-E-R because yeah. he clearly didn't know how to spell. <laughs> hey, I, not all of us can spell like Miss Bella, <laughs> who can spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, okay? What the, what the fuck ever? Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> like alter, A-L-T-E-R is like alter reality. Like yeah. Alternate. <laughs> or if you have to... Uh, or you have, if you have dissociative disorder, then your many different personalities are known as alters. Yes. <laughs> um, any other questions from the gang, from the group? Ms. Cecilia? Nope. 
All righty then. Do we have anybody else we want to talk about? Not for today. I don't have anyone else then. All right. Me neither. Well, then I think this wraps up this episode. Don't worry. We have decided to do this at least one episode every season. So more to come. If there's people that you want to hear about, um, let us know in the comments. We'll jot it on the list. We have, as you can imagine, a huge list because uh, there's a lot of people. There's a, a lot of people, people that you wouldn't realize. And so exactly, it's part of yeah. what we want to, to share with you all and, and let you know, you know, that, that more people than you realize, you're not alone. No. <laughs> so with that, thank you everybody for joining. <laughs> Don't forget to keep tuned in and watch our videos. We're always putting videos out. So until next time, bye. bye.